0: Have you ever wondered what life is like in the military? What actually happens once you leave it? Can you just like leave it and then start your new life? Does something else happen? Like what actually happens in all of that situation? And do you miss it or do you have to adapt to it? Like what happens after? So the before and after probably are different situations. Today I'm talking to Kaylee Smith, who is a marketing queen, and she'll be telling us about her experience in the military. Hola, hello everybody, and welcome to the Pretty Sure Podcast, the podcast where we talk about life, love, travel, business, and everything in between. Life tends to get messy sometimes, and nobody really taught us how to live it. With your new best friend, confidant, and host, yours truly, Sabrina. I will always have your back, and it is my mission that you never feel alone again because I'm always here. So, fasten your seatbelts because the ride is about to get really bumpy. Welcome to season two. And let's go! Welcome back, guys, to Pretty Sure. Today's guest is a really exciting one. First time I'm going to be talking about this. I'm super excited because if you grew up in the States or if you grew up watching Disney Channel and all of that, or even were like a big fan of Hillary Duff, you must have watched her movie, Cadet Kelly. And I have to say, I was obsessed with that movie. I loved her attitude. I loved Christy Carlson Romano as well. And, you know, if you don't know it, it's basically a movie about a teen girl who goes to a military academy because she was, like, a brat and she had all these situations. And I think her new dad was, like, a military sergeant. I don't know. But basically, it put the military academy in like a really fun light and you kind of like wanted to start that adventure as well. And then after that, I've never met anyone that's been in the military. It's always been kind of like a, ooh, military men are hot. You know, like Top Gun, Tom Cruise and all of that. I've never actually met someone that's been in it and left. So today's guest, like I mentioned, is a marketing queen and a former military person, military, I don't even know what you call that, but she was in the military. So without further ado, hi Kaylee. Introduce hi yourself, please. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your story before we start into the questions. Great, yeah. So
1: I grew up in San Francisco, California, which is very liberal, so probably like the least likely to join the military. I grew up with my mom, my dad, and my brother. And I was just kind of like the outlier of my family. So my whole childhood, I just kind of felt like, you know what, there's there's a bigger plan for me. There's something that I really wanna pursue beyond what my family wanted for me. And uh, I graduated high school, military was not on my radar. I did a couple years of college. And I think what most people find when they go to college is that it's nothing like what they expected it to be. At least it wasn't for me. So I kind of felt this disconnect between what my original plans were and what I wanted to do, you know, as I was in this emerging adulthood, so I, I don't even remember honestly where the idea of the military came from, but I just remember feeling so inspired by this opportunity and they were going to send me to school because I still wanted to definitely finish my school and I was going to be able to meet other people that were my age that were also, you know, wanting something bigger for their lives And I ended up going to a recruiting office and just felt like I belonged to something. And so I think a lot of people are looking for that sense of wanting to do good with their lives, but also belong to a group of people that have that same aspiration. They pretty much gave me an offer of like, well, you can go in a couple of months, which was about two months away. And I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) So that I ended up joining the Marine Corps of all things. Oh my God. Okay. So we're called troops. Now you have the right lingo. Um, okay. So you were a trooper. I was a trooper. I was in many regards. <laughs> but oh, I, I actually gravitated more towards the Marine Corps because that's what my dad had told me to go do. Um, I thought I'd be like a medic in the Navy, and I ended up gravitating more towards the Marine Corps because he had a bad experience with the Navy, I found mm-hmm. out. So I think he felt like of all the branches, um, the Marines were going to be the highest standard and they were going to give me the most sort of like refinement, I guess. So I said, you know what? I don't know anything
0: about this. Let's just go. And I did. (laughs) Okay. So tell me the biggest difference between like the Marine Corps, the Navy and all of that, like for the people that aren't from the States, because... All of those terminologies are very confusing. It's like, Army, like what's the difference? Like what do Marine Corps troops do? Yeah, so actually that's
1: that's a really common question. So they are, you can think of them almost like companies. They're all different companies. So the Army is the largest branch. They have the most personnel all throughout the world. So where you go and what your jobs are differ based on the branches. So the army, because they are the largest, they actually kind of have the worst reputation because they have a reputation for kind of taking everybody and they're in some pretty bad uh, places where you can end up going like really deep in the south and just places where you're like, Hey, if I'm going to leave home, I want to go somewhere exciting. The Navy is more ship based. So you'll end up living on a ship sometimes for an entire four years, which doesn't sound that great. Yeah. And when you're doing that, because I actually did it for six months, you are in a room of people and there's probably like 50 people in that room with you and that's where you live. So that's a big (laughs) turnoff. And the Marine Corps is actually a department of the Navy, but they're kind of like the land-based company of the Navy. So they have these smaller personnel and their mission is almost like kind of like the super secret missions. They're the higher, you have higher qualifications that you have to pass in order to be a Marine. So they go on more strategic missions than some of the other ones. So if you've heard of like the snipers or Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm even forgetting what they're called in the army, but you just have like more specialized
0: missions. Okay. Ooh, that's so interesting. And so how long were you in there for? How long did you last in the Marine Corps? Did you get like a specific rank? Like what was your purpose?
1: So all four or all branches, I will not say four, um, require you to have four years. Okay. So you sign up and you do what's four active Four years of active service and then you do four years of inactive service and what that basically means is that if World War III were to break out, they're going to call you back prior to just creating a draft of citizens. So they still kind of own you for those four years of inactive service, but I did absolutely nothing through those four years and that's most common what happens. Everybody signs up for those four where you're officially going through training and you're assigned to
0: bases and all of that. Okay, that's so cool. So for you, what was the hardest thing about being in the military? Obviously you had to adapt, you you were learning different things, different style of life. Like, What was the hardest thing for you? Oh, man, it's
1: a total lifestyle change. You know, what I learned in the beginning is that recruiters, um, which are the people that actually get people through the process of joining, they're really salespeople. So you're sold kind of this illusion of what life is going to be like. And then when you get in, you realize that even if you've been assigned a job or you've been assigned a base that you're going to go to... Um, you no longer have the ability to say that's what you want and um, stay true to that initial promise. So I, I think the hardest part was you are fighting for the freedom of the country at the expense of your own freedom. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard to um, kind of lose some of my autonomy and my ability to just do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it because you belong to the military, your, your government property, basically. So there was this, this grieving almost of like my old way of life and now my new way of life. And I knew very early on, this wasn't something I could legitimately make a career out of. So it was just kind of transitioning into this lifestyle that I wasn't in charge of anymore. I think that was, it was a huge mental shift.
0: Yeah. Okay. And what was the best lesson you took from there? The best lesson?
1: So uh, I would say again, it's a mental piece was that I learned that I'm capable of anything really. I had to do so many physical challenges and mental challenges. And I really just recognized that your mind will tell you to stop long before your body ever will. And it's really whether you want to tap into what your mind is telling you and believe it or just keep going. So an example of that is that there's really, really extreme physical requirements that you have to meet in a 48 hour period. I hiked 52 miles. For some perspective. Yeah. So you can either give in to what your mind is saying and just quit, or you can recognize, you know, my feet are going to still move, you know, and then you just start paying attention to your feet and you keep moving. And then at a certain point you stop and you realize like, wow, I I walked another couple of miles beyond what my mind told me I was capable of doing. So. I've used that ever since I kind of had that realization to just
0: keep pushing through challenges that my mind told me I would never be able to accomplish. Wow, that's amazing. And I'm sure nowadays you still bring that into your life whenever you're like, oh my God, I don't know how to do this. You're like, no, you did that. You can definitely do this. Like this is a piece of cake compared to those situations. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) So moving around, you change bases First of all, how often was that? Did you have any control where you would end up? And second of all, what is it like moving when it's not under your control? Uh,
1: Frustrating. (laughs) Oh my gosh, so frustrating. So in one year alone, I moved 10 times. Wow. You just don't have that sense of home. You don't have that sense of stability and you have to give up kind of your attachment to that because most people are used to kind of picking a place and settling in, even if it's only for a few months or so. But I didn't have even that luxury. I would have to move even in the same building to like different rooms. And so even that even though that doesn't like officially count as a move, I still have to move all my stuff, you know, so I still have to settle into this new environment. So it was really hard, honestly. It's fun in the beginning, I would say, because there's this element of surprise. But then as you get farther and farther, where you just, you want a sense of same, you want to be able to make friends and you want to, just feel like you can be in one place and settle in a little bit. You lose that. So I wasn't able to make plans. I had to miss out on a lot of things like weddings or birthdays. Yeah. It, it just became, it became more than what I wanted to do. And I, and I again didn't feel like I had that freedom and autonomy over my own life. Yeah. And um, so then there's a grieving of that too. Cause you feel like you just miss out on a lot of things. So it was, that was probably one of the, the parts of it that was the biggest motivation for me to leave was, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to do things in my life and I wanted to make friends and I wanted to establish something. I wanted to have something to show for my time in and by moving so much, you're kind of like a ghost. You're like, you're not really there. And so it just, it becomes hard. And I didn't want to keep doing that beyond what my requirement was.
0: For sure. So since you mentioned, you know, like friendships, missing weddings and everything, did this affect relationships you had? Like, is it easy to make friends? Is it easy to meet someone like romantically? Did your relationship to yourself change? Like what, what was happening? At the time.
1: All of your relationships change, all of them. For the, the friends that you had before you joined, there's just this huge disconnect. The military is its own culture, its own language, so it's basically like moving away to a foreign country. The military feels like a foreign planet, so you just don't speak the same language or have the same goals or the same experiences to share with the friends that you had before the military. When you're in the military, Everybody else is just as transient. So it is really hard to make a friend that's kind of in the same place where you are. And in dating, oh my gosh. So an example was my first official duty station was in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Middle of nowhere it felt like. And I wanted to get the heck out of there. I actually volunteered to deploy just to get out of Arizona because I just felt like I would made this huge, you know, commitment, and I just wanted to do all these things with my time in the military. It wasn't going to be spent in Arizona. <laughs> so I actually volunteered to deploy, which brought me over to San Diego um, prior to me going on a ship, and I met a guy. Hmm. Well, he, about two weeks before I had arrived in Arizona, had left Arizona, where he had lived for the past two years. And then we met in San Diego, Um, he was going to be getting out of the military like three months after our deployment. So it was literally like ships crossing in the night where we very briefly had this time together, but our lives were in two extremely different places. So that was, of course, challenging and frustrating. The relationship ended up ending as a result of it but with friends, even that you make in the military, your life is your job. So if my job schedule doesn't match with your job schedule, it's very hard for us to find time to go out together. And then another really, really common thing is that I joined when I was 19, Mm -hmm. so I'm not drinking age. So I have all these friends who were drinking age, and what do they wanna do on the weekends? They wanna to go to a bar or something, and I can't. So there was this frustration of like, well, here now my friends and my peers But now there's this age restriction for where we can go hang out together. I got a fake ID, but (laughs) but I was also risking getting in trouble. So and the, the guy that I dated at that time, he was a few years older than me. So it was just it's very, very hard to find somebody who's in the same place as you that you really feel like you can connect with on so many levels. It's kind of like I get this little piece of you that I connect with over here. I, our schedules match up on this one day for these two hours so I can see
0: you there. So you just, you don't have much of a social life. Yeah. Wow. That's That must be so hard. That must have been so hard for you and also for your family members and all of that. I know you briefly mentioned about why it is that you decide to leave, but was there ever a point when you were thriving or having a great time and you were like, Oh, maybe I should stay. Or was it always like, screw this, I'm going to leave once four years are up. Like this is, I'm peace out. So in the military, when it's good, it's great. And when it's bad, it's
1: really, really bad. Uh So go back to when I first arrived in San Diego, I didn't have a lot of work that I had to do. I was preparing to deploy. So you're just kind of in this like waiting phase. Mm -hmm. So that was about five, six months. During that five, six months is when I was dating that guy and we lived walking distance from one another because we both lived on base. Mm -hmm. My job was basically to go get breakfast burritos for my boss. (laughs) And then by about one o'clock they would send us to go get lunch, but they didn't really give us a time to come back. So my whole work day really revolved around showing up, getting a burrito, hanging out with my boyfriend, and then being done for the rest of the day. So, I mean, you have a couple of weeks of that and you're like, man, I'm getting paid pretty well just to, just to hang out and not really do anything. And I'm in, I'm in San Diego, like beautiful yeah. San Diego and i that was probably the best time of my entire time wow which was very quickly balanced out with deployment which was one of the worst times (laughs) oh my god where were you deployed so i being that the marines are a department of the navy i ended up going on a ship for six months They're called a Mew. So you basically go around the world to different ports and you perform either trainings or missions or you're just there for if if something were to happen, you're there as a support squad. So I got to go to Australia, Bahrain, Dubai, Kuwait, Singapore, and then kind of go back again. It it was amazing, but... I say they're kind of like layovers because you still have a lot of restrictions when you're in these foreign countries, especially as a woman in Middle Eastern countries. So some of the the ports we went to, we couldn't even leave the official military base because they're considered a hostile territory. But I still can say
0: like, I've got five continents under my belt, which is pretty cool. for sure that was that's one of the perks okay and then you were just like no this is over I'm done doing four years and I'm leaving that's very valid so a ship
1: life is nothing that I would wish on my worst enemy (laughs) you kind of just forget You're in Groundhog Day. Like you kind of forget that there's a world outside of you. So I had a couple of days where I'm like, man, I haven't seen the sun for like three days because it just doesn't occur to you to go outside because there's nothing happening outside. Just a repetitive lifestyle. And it's kind of depressing and you're just waiting and it's hot, especially in the Middle East. So those periods in between the ports were pretty demoralizing but then when you knew you were going to go to a port or when you're almost at a port you know then the energy is a lot higher and people are a lot more excited and, yeah. and you got some cool
0: stories out of them you know. For sure and then what happened when you left like was it a smooth transition did you know what you were going to be doing or like what was that whole process?
1: So, I always knew I was going to leave. There's sort of this initiation ritual, per se, when you first show up in the Marine Corps exclusively, and you stand on yellow footprints, and every Marine before you has stood on those same yellow footprints. Mm-hmm. So, it's this whole tradition that's carried through. And that is the first thing that you do when you get off the bus to go to boot camp. Mm -hmm. that's when I knew the Marine Corps was not for me. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So I went through that, but then you just realize like, well, I can either quit or I can just do it. And I don't really, I'm coming to a conclusion before I've even experienced, you know, this whole thing. But it was still true throughout the four years. I'm like, yep, those yellow footprints. (laughs) But When I knew I was going to get out, I really tried to utilize my time in as well as I could. So I achieved my bachelor's degree when I was still in the military, which very few of my comrades had. So when I got out, I knew I was going to go achieve my master's degree. And... The military has so, so many resources available to people that are getting out because I now have a veteran status. Mm -hmm. You just have to find them. And I've always been somebody who's very self-motivated and wanted to pursue higher education and really make something out of my life. So I pursued all those resources. And the military gives you the GI Bill, Mm -hmm. And that pays for your school. But what most people don't know is that it also pays for your living expenses. So you receive kind of like a stipend. So I didn't have this sort of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get out. What am I going to do? I knew I was going to go immediately into school for my master's degree and they were going to pay me to do that. So being that I was in San Diego, they base your housing allowance on your zip code. Well, San Diego is an expensive place to live. And so it more than covered my expenses. So knowing I was going to do that for a minimum of like a year and a half after I got out, getting out wasn't as scary for me, as I think a lot of people don't have a desire to pursue higher education. The emotional transition, though, upon getting out is I now have four years where I've lived in another world than most other people. So it's just harder to relate to people. Now I have to go back to speaking civilian rather than speaking military. So there's a transition there. I've kind of missed out on four years of my friends and my family's life. Before you know, while I was in, and while they kept going, I wasn't where most other twenty-two-year-olds were. So, uh, you know, twenty-two, you think of like partying, and the military just kind of ages you really quickly, and that naive part of you is is dead for you know lack of better term. So, you're just not like most other people your age, and so it's it's kind of hard to go back but also now be forward in your life and relate to other people and make friends. And especially as a female Marine, female Marines are only 7% of the Marine Corps. So you have to imagine that there's only a handful of us out there and people want to uh, relate to people like them. Well, there just aren't many people like me. So it was just kind of hard to be able to connect with people about things that were a huge, huge part of me now. It became a challenge kind of relating to people and just learning how to be different but also fit in, I guess.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's so, that's crazy to think. 7%. That must have been insane did you felt like you missed out on having girlfriends while you were in the like marine corps did you were there any women when you got deployed like how was that situation now that you mentioned it i know we're going a little bit back but i'm just so curious that you mentioned that
1: so on my ship there were three thousand people
0: mm-hmm.
1: so 60 of them were women wow So yeah, really, really small. And of those 60, they're gonna be women who are uh, ranks above you and you're not allowed to what's called fraternize with the ranks of people above you because in the hierarchy of the military, they're seen as your bosses. So you don't hang out with your bosses and party with your bosses and things like that. So then that makes the pool even smaller. I didn't have that many women that I just felt that connection to. There were a lot of women who joined for reasons that I felt disconnected from, so I didn't really feel like we just had a friendship potential between us. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely got to meet some cool girls and, um, and still have female friends, but... It was just another challenge based on our schedules, based on, again, what time we had joined, what our ranks were, um, whether we were going to be going in different ways after deployment. So all of those elements just make it really hard for you to have kind of a close girlfriend um, throughout that time. Yeah, That's just what it is. I think, I think most females in the military would, would agree with me on that.
0: Yeah, wow, that's crazy. And did you start making friends like after a certain time? Like was did you find that hard? You know, you, you're saying you found that hard to relate to people, but like how did you jump back into, okay, I'm out, I'm like studying now. How am I gonna make friends? Like how I'm gonna meet people, like how was that whole process for you?
1: So I actually went to school. I got my master's in psychology for becoming a therapist. And so that's a female dominated industry. So I want to say my class size was like 15 people, and like 13 of them were women. So I, I had women relatively my same age that I would go to school with, you know, a couple of days out of the week. Yeah. And those kind of became my girlfriends. And then on top of that, we're now practicing and role-playing being therapists. So you get into some pretty deep, dark subjects that are very bonding very soon. So I was really grateful to have that those consistent women in my life but I would have loved to have had kind of like a female veteran friend and I just never met those girls they just didn't they didn't exist in the places that I went to and the people that I met and then it's interesting because once I got out the women who let's say were married to service members um, I almost felt this like outcast sort of element because now they were in and they were living the military life, and I was no longer part of that. So that was an interesting dynamic that I never foresaw happening, but it it just kind of speaks to when you're in, it just it just really feels so different than what everybody else what everybody else's life looks like. It was challenging, but I just made the best with what I had. And I was really grateful for the women in my college program.
0: Yeah. So you studied psychology. How did you end up in communication and marketing? That's what I'm curious about. And also owning your business. So where does this whole owning my business, I'm going to do marketing now. How did that start and how has it been so far for you? So, wow, this will
1: be a good one. So I didn't grow up in a home where I felt kind of like part of the family. Like I had mentioned before, I always felt like, where did I come from? This weird, high energy, extroverted kid um, with super introverted parents and just kind of this athletic brother. And it just always made me question sort of my mind not even in a way that, Uh, in a negative way, but just really this curiosity about like, where does personality come from? And why do I feel so disconnected from, you know, the people I was born to and like the people around me and the military brought up all of these like, Kind of traumatic experiences that I, I wanted to just feel a little more grasp around so that's how I ended up gravitating towards psychology because I just found it so so fascinating and I love helping people like my calling in life is to ultimately help people so I just felt like well maybe if I learn a little more about psychology I will be able to share what I've learned about myself so far and really help other women be able to become the best versions of themselves as well yeah. So I ended up working in that field. What I found though was that it made an impact negatively on my own mental health because mental health under that umbrella is severe mental health. So I worked with people who were schizophrenic, bipolar, suicidal, who had very serious, serious trauma in their history, who had been in jail and prison for like years, if not decades. And as much as I want to help people, a lot of those people did not want to help themselves. So I felt a little demoralized. I even at one point ended up working on a 5150 ward, which is where you have a psych hold. You've lost all of your human rights. And now there's a doctor telling you what you have to do for 72 hours because they're worried about you killing yourself. So I just started looking at the world on my days off kind of with this shadow and I recognize I'm not one of those people who can completely compartmentalize what these people have told me and separate that from my personal life and especially towards men. Oh my gosh. I worked primarily with women and so unfortunately most of their trauma had been at the hands of men. So I started seeing men with, especially young women or little girls, and feeling this almost like rage boiling up inside of me. And so I very quickly recognized, you know what, I I cannot do this for decades. This is going to impact my own mental health, and I can't do that. So Funny enough, the hospital that I worked for was building out one of their mental health programs and people don't want to think of hospitals as businesses, but they have to make money too. So they wanted someone with my mental health background to perform almost like a marketing function. And I've always felt this calling towards being an entrepreneur. I did babysitting when I was like 13 and I thought it was amazing because I loved hanging out with little kids. And then on top of it, I could go spend my money on forever 21 clothes. So it was like the best, you know, situation absolutely ever. So I just kind of, I, I built this entrepreneurial spirit that I was always interested and curious about business. And now here was this opportunity where I kind of got to combine both of those worlds. So, um, I actually still had some of my GI Bill money left over and I pursued an MBA. So I got my business degree and I had my mental health background and I now had this experience under my belt of working for the hospital in a marketing role. And I've just kind of decided, you know what? I think I'm gonna let the therapy side and the mental health side go. And I really wanna pursue this whole marketing and and business side of myself. Well, come to find out as I've grown in being an entrepreneur and in helping other people, the biggest piece of entrepreneurs being successful is their mindset. So I now get to be kind of that therapist or just kind of mental health champion for entrepreneurs that legitimately want to go into business for themselves. I find that confidence is one of the biggest pieces that people lack in the belief of their business even becoming successful. And there it is impossible for you to market yourself and for you to show up in the market to Kind of peddle your services without you believing in them first so i walk all my clients through some you know confidence building and some mindset building exercises now prior to me even helping them with their marketing because it will only make their marketing that much stronger so i really i kind of get to enjoy both worlds now but i still would classify myself under that marketing function above all else
0: Wow. I think that that actually gives you an edge because first of all, like you said, mindset is the most important part, but also you kind of know where to drive people, right? Because like this is really bad to say, but marketing obviously is directed at people's deep desires and to figure out how their brains work. So like you kind of have that edge over, okay, I know how their brains work. Now I'm going to help other people understand how to get through to these other people's with like our messaging and everything. So I find that that is very smart of you to have done actually. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah, there's a psychology of buying, you know,
1: human yep. behavior, marketing is trying to understand the human behavior of your buying habits. So an entrepreneur needs to understand that to understand their market. And then they need to also understand themselves in order to
0: then match how they show up in the market. Exactly. Okay. I have two questions more for you. And then we're going to go into a quick rapid fire game question. So one that we had already talked about, and I know we had said this was like one of the most interesting ones. So obviously, you know, leaving the military, being an entrepreneur, you're like a strong, successful woman. How has that been for you in terms of like finding love or approaching men or them approaching you? Like, is it something that like you're struggling with like what is your whole stance on that how long do we have <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh
1: dating is so hard so yes of course so if it's hard for me to make like a girlfriend based on trying to connect with my past it is so much harder to find love and to find men that aren't intimidated by that that Oh man, dating has not been easy for me. So I was actually with someone when I, when I first got out of the military, that relationship came to a very messy, messy end because when you get out, you're growing. And so it's not uncommon for people just to grow in different directions. So I, I got out, I was with someone that broke up and now I was really in this space of like, Oh man, I don't even know where to start when it comes to dating. I would love I would love to meet someone, but it's been very hard for me to kind of connect with people on the things that I feel like are the biggest parts of myself. Mm-hmm. So, I have I've tried everything under the sun for dating and I ended up dating a military guy for a little while which was not surprising, but then his contract came to an end and he went back to where he came from, which is which was the uh, same experience that I had when I was in. So I'm kind of at a loss, honestly, when it comes to dating. I, I went through that period of, I really want this, and I, and I really want to put you know, all my energy towards online dating and meeting people in person and going out on the weekends. And I met a few people, but they just kind of like fizzled out or in even just like my initial conversations with people when they find out like oh you're an entrepreneur or you know you're former military i think most men are just kind of scared off by that <laughs> or they don't understand it if it's not something that they have an insight towards so it just kind of comes to an end as well but also i'll say as an entrepreneur when you're meeting someone else in the beginning of their business dating's not your priority your business is your priority So it's, it's just really been a challenge. So I kind of got to the point where I gave up, you know, and I'm kind of like, well, you know what? I really, I, I, I tried the best that I could. I did everything that I could think of. And maybe it's just the wrong time. Maybe it's just not meant to be right now. So I'm going to kind of put that on the back burner and focus on other things. Well, I've been single for quite a few years now. So it's kind of like, all right, when's that back burner going to move to the front burner? Girl, same. (laughs) it doesn't seem like going back to what I had attempted before was going to be the answer and how I was legitimately going to meet someone. So I think, I think it's just going to stay on the back burner for now. And I'm just going to keep showing up in my real life and in my online life and just, you know, keep being me. And, and that's actually kind of one of the things that I like about like social media is that you genuinely have no idea who you're going to to meet. Yeah. So actually before quarantine, I had had someone reach out to me that was a producer of a dating show and I was like, oh my God, and I'm in LA. So it's like, this is the whole world that I'm in. And I was like, this is unbelievable. The host was going to be Sarah Jessica Parker, which I'm like, that is so legit. I mean, that would be amazing. And then quarantine happened something like two weeks later. So who knows if that, if that opportunity will reemerge after this whole thing is over, but I definitely foresee something like that being a lot more (laughs) fruitful for my efforts than the whole like Tinder world and bars on the weekend and all of that. So I would love to meet someone,
0: but it's just not in the cards right now, I think. I mean, that's what all my married friends tell me and ones that are in like relationships. It's like, When you least expect it, something's gonna happen. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's put it to the test. Right? Like let's put it out there and let's stop concentrating. And then who knows, next time we talk, maybe you're like, oh my god, I met someone. I'm more at the point of like, so does your husband have friends or a brother? (laughs) I love that. Okay. Last question to you, my favorite one out of the entire show. I'm pretty sure at one point you've had an experience where you felt like you were the only one either living it or thinking about it or whatever. So first part is, can you tell me what it was? And second of all, what would you tell other people that might be thinking or experiencing the same thing? Like your top piece of advice for them.
1: Oh man. So... Actually, the person I was with when I got out of the military, um, I was married to for a very brief amount of time, and, and I have a daughter. So months after I got out of the military, so I already feel like I'm the only one, I'm the only female Marine veteran on the planet, it feels like. I'm a young mom. I'm also a survivor of domestic violence, and I was also a college student at the time and living in a city where I had no friends and family because I had only recently moved there. I legitimately felt like all of those elements made me the only person on the face of the earth to be going through what I was going through at that time in my life, and I was like 22, just a baby. Wow. I, it was just despair. I just felt absolute despair and isolation and loneliness and that there was nobody that I could honestly reach out to and talk to like a human. Everybody was just being, uh, pitying me basically. And, And there's not really somebody who wants to kind of see you as a peer in those circumstances. They just take, they take sympathy out on you. So in those dark moments, um, you just, you really have this heart to heart with yourself of like, I can either give up or I can keep going. And I think that that goes back to kind of the story I had told before about your mind telling you to give up before you actually have to. And that no matter what you're going through and no matter what it feels like your external circumstances are that it's, it's really you in this world. Like you really have to make this commitment to either be your best self, to keep going despite all those forces, or you really allow those outside forces to kind of crush you and break you down. So if anybody is feeling in that space, just know that it's momentary. And even from like a, a therapist perspective, The mind does not want to stay in this place of despair for a prolonged amount of time. You can only cry for so long. You can just only be in those really weak, weak moments for so long because your body's priority is survival. And you cannot survive if you're, you know, in the corner, in the fetal position crying. The body wants you to get up and keep moving. If you just keep reminding yourself of that and, like, this is just a very brief period of my time and it will get better. Just cling to that light at the end of the tunnel and just know, yeah, it's going to suck for a while. And I don't, I can't give you a definition of what a while's going to be. It's going to be a lot longer than you want it to be, but it absolutely will change. And I, I can genuinely say I'm probably now in the best place of my entire life. I have worked through some really, really dark things to where I know um, on a mental level, I'll never go back to those places because I've strengthened those parts of myself that I don't think anything could really collapse back to where I was. And and I'm truly I'm truly in a happy place. I'm truly in a joyful place. So just know if, if you're in those dark spots that they go away, they do go away, people care, and you have to care about yourself more than anything else.
0: Wow. I literally have chills right now from listening. (laughs) That's so insightful. And I really hope whoever's listening that actually resonates because I do feel like that is beautiful. That is a great perspective. And you're definitely right. You know, people, there's only so much suffering you can have until you're like, you know what, I'm going to change my life. Like come rain or high water is like something has got to change. So Mm -hmm. I find that that's beautiful and I'm so happy for you that you're actually in the best place of your life because girl, you deserve it. Honestly, that's like all I can say. Thank you. I kind of even feel bad to change the topic, but like now let's go to the fun part. Not that this hasn't been fun, but the rapid fire little questions or either or part of the interview before we end it. Are you ready? I'm ready. These always make me nervous. <laughs> okay, first one. What person dead or alive would you like to have dinner with? If you could. I think I would love to have dinner with
1: Oprah. Like, she's really built herself up from absolutely nothing. I mean, Oprah is is 100% self-made, and I know there's some controversy around where she is now and, and her activities now as a billionaire. But, I mean, that's extremely inspiring where she has come from. Like... She, she built up her whole career. She's got trauma in her past, um, that no one would, no one deserves to go through. And she's literally a self-made and calling it out a black female billionaire. Like that is really admirable.
0: Yeah, I agree. I would love to have dinner with her as well. Right? Would you rather be 10 minutes late or always 20 minutes early?
1: Oh, so there's a saying in the military or in the Marine Corps, I'll say, um, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. So 20 minutes early for sure. I I cannot stand
0: being late. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Now the easy ones. Square or triangle? Oh, triangle. <laughs> Magazines or books? Uh, books. Do you prefer a cozy night in or a crazy night out? Ask me a few months ago,
1: it would have been a crazy night out. Now, I've, I've completely settled. Give me the cozy night in
0: any day. <laughs> if you could choose, would you rather travel around the world constantly or have the opportunity to be famous? Um, I think I would like to be famous
1: because I really feel this calling to make an impact on people, and you can't do that from a place of anonymity. So... Yeah. I, famous
0: for the right reasons, I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I love that. Hot or cold? This could be weather or drinks or whatever you want to take it for. Hot coffee any day. I don't care if it's 100 degrees outside. Give me my hot coffee in the morning. (laughs) Okay, this one's going to be a hard one for you. East or West Coast? Oh, West
1: Coast, California, born and raised. I live in LA now. I love, love LA.
0: LA's got a lot of bad things going for it, but West Coast is the best coast. (laughs) (laughs) And last one, do you, or if you have the chance, would you rather wake up early or sleep out? Oh, wake up early. Entrepreneurs, come on, you gotta wake up early. Oh my god. Okay, you need to we need to have a call on of these days so you show me your biggest lessons because I cannot wake up before 9 a.m. for anything. Like you could be like there could be a war outside, there could be whatever and I'd be like, nah, let me sleep. <laughs> like, have you read the morning miracle? I haven't, and as so many people have told me about it, but it's just like, I'm a night owl. Like I need my night hours. Like you can wake me up at 11 and I'll be awake till like 2 a.m. There's no problem, <laughs> but like. I don't think there's, yeah, I don't think
1: there's a right or wrong. It's more about your hours of productivity. So if you're not productive in those early, early hours, then yeah, that's not for you. If, if you're in your height of creativity
0: at midnight, then that's for you. So to each their own, but for me, early. Okay, well that was that's great. This has been a fabulous interview. You've honestly given me so many insights and it's just been so fun talking to you and learning more about your story. I hope everyone else gets really insightful points from this, or at least you know gets to know your sunny personality and everything. So thanks again for chatting with me today. And guys, as always, you're gonna find the link to her page, to her Instagram, to everything in the description, so you can go check her out, give her some love, comment on her Instagrams, um, please give her all of that, as well, don't forget to follow us for more episode news, reviews, whatever it is that you want to leave us, my Instagram is always at pretty sure podcast, and I'll be waiting there to have a conversation with you, so thanks again Kaylee for your time today, thank you Sabrina, and I'll see you guys next week, peace out everybody,